Welcome back to Podcast 26 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Oddsbreakers. Follow us on social media slash The Oddsbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com for a 100% sign-up bonus. Please visit BetRivers and use the promo code ODDS23. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theozbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our winning cappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Ozbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. March Madness is complete. And John Rothstein says, we sleep in May. Well, it's only April 4th. You can probably go to sleep right now, I could imagine. And unfortunately, that final game was a little bit of a sleeper itself. Now, it did get kind of competitive uh, with about six minutes left in the game. San Diego State pulled to within five, but then UConn turned the gas on again and was able to not get the bad fouls and was able to finish them off winning by double digits. I also got to feel sorry for some of the people that live bet on San Diego State kind of last 10 minutes. I mean, being within five with like six minutes left and losing by 17 points is quite the feat. And it just shows you the inconsistency of really both of these teams. You know, part of the reason why I hedged back on UConn is that my number was five. I'm not going to not make a play when I think there's value. But what UConn did was kind of kind of saw uh, conference play was more of a fallacy and they just got better and better even throughout the end of the season. Now, I did say that UConn should have been a number one seed, but they were also stuck in the hardest quadrant of the whole NCAA tournament, but they came out of that with flying colors. Now, unfortunately, they got to play Miami team that really has no defense whatsoever. And you wonder if that game against Texas was better officiated if maybe we had a better final four game between UConn and Texas. I still think UConn probably wins that game, but it might have been a much better uh, game to watch from a talent perspective. And maybe Disu also would have been back for Texas, but it was a great run by some of those smaller schools, FAU, San Diego State. Uh, Miami's not exactly a small school, but they're not a massive school either. So, And they certainly weren't projected to get into the Final Four. So congrats to them for putting themselves in position to make a big difference. I also want to congratulate our Bracket Challenge winners, pretty much the people that had the foresight to see UConn winning it all. Now, it's so funny watching these guys rise up because by the Elite Eight, most of these guys just had UConn left and weren't even in contention. But just for the fact that they were able to get UConn all the way, pretty much brought them into the winning spot. And they had the foresight to see that happening. You know, they picked a team in the toughest quadrant, a four seed, probably knew they were underseeded as well, but they looked at it from the perspective that. If they're going to get through those good teams, they definitely have a shot 
of winning it all once they get into the final four, which actually turned into be some pretty easy matchups for the Huskies. So want to give everyone a huge shout out who played in our bracket challenge. There was over 100 brackets filled out. And I want to give a huge shout out to our winners, Aaron Cross winning 275 bucks, Chris Grady winning 125, Philip Onler winning 75, and Christian Hudson winning $25. All you guys retweeted our podcast and participated well in our NCAA tournament challenge. Congrats on having UConn and winning it all. I myself filled out about eight brackets this year. There's this one challenge that I'm in every single year where he has five brackets max. Uh, I actually took second place because I had UConn winning it all in one of those. So I was kind of happy with from my own perspective that I got a return on investment from the amount of money I put into bracket challenges. But at the same time, uh, definitely hindsight. You really wish if you didn't have UConn that you could have put them in a lot more of your final fours. I must guess most people had Kansas or UCLA in that bottom quadrant. So a quick little update on the podcast schedule. There's going to be two this week because on Friday's show, recorded Thursday, we're going to have Sig from Wager Talk to talk some ponies in some of the big races coming up this weekend, the prep races for the Kentucky Derby. Not only that, we are going to talk about some Pythagorean NFL win totals from the 2022 season. I am done with my article. I just need to proof it a few times. I'm going to give it to you on this podcast first, talk about all the underachievers and all the overachievers looking at the data from last year's NFL season. Blindly betting these have been profitable over the past three years since we've been doing these articles on Pythagorean win totals blindly betting the underachievers to go over and the overachievers to go under has actually been profitable. Now, do you, you going to do that every single year? I think you should put other aspects into your handicap, but you should certainly weigh these Pythagorean totals when it comes to your NFL season win totals for 2023. All right, without further ado, let's get into our guest and talk some masters with the man, Patrick Gates. He's a very sharp handicapper here at theoddsbreakers.com who specializes in hockey, horse racing, and golf. Very pleased to welcome back Mr. Patrick Gates to the Oddsbreakers podcast. You can follow him at Gator Betting. Spring has sprung once again, Patrick. Here we are entering the summer fun, let's say. Yeah. Uh, Masters coming up. How the heck are you doing? Great, great. Thanks for having me on. Always good to talk some golf. Uh, so looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. Maybe dab a little NHL here if we have time at the yeah. end. That'd be nice. Uh, you're on a hell of a run, man. I got to ask you, Patrick, you have been crushing it in golf, picking these winners. Some of these were like long shots of like, if I remember, 80 to 1 and a couple big ones. How the heck are you on such a hot run right now? Listen, it's been it's been good, you know. Um just kind of sticking to the same strategy they've always had. It's been nice. We just caught Taylor Moore at the Bale Spar, 70 to 1. So that was a great hit. Gives us our third outright of the season. Uh, a little bit of downturn from last year, but still positive. So uh, looking forward to uh, kind of keeping it going. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, did you change anything coming up this uh, over the past year in your candy caps? Or was it kind of just, uh, you know, 
grinding and getting in all the right information. No, I think I think it's kind of just keep it the same too. I mean, obviously you kind of got to make adjustments as you go on throughout the season and kind of just keep up to date with everything. But no, it's been a fairly consistent process in regards to kind of the handicapping strategy that I use. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, the results have spoken for themselves. So um, I love it. And I love your m- massive master's ar- article that you posted at theoddsbreakers.com. I mean, you do not leave one detail out. And I think that's so important when you're diving into these handicaps, you know, the type of grass, you know, for the greens bent grass, right? Rye yeah. grass for, the, for the, uh, the, the cut and all that. So uh, I think that's just absolutely wonderful how you do that and how deep you're actually going into detail here at theoddsbreakers.com just a ton of amazing value so maybe that's part of the reason you assess the way that you put all your hard work into and we appreciate that so much for all the great info patrick but why don't you yeah of course no i love doing it absolutely why don't you tell us about the masters now obviously most people watching this or listening to this podcast know know what the masters is but why don't you give us a few nuggets and tell us about what makes it so special and uh what makes the course so unique yeah so it's the only major of the four that's played on the same course so that's kind of it's unique in its own right to augusta the history here as well and i think this year's masters is even a little bit more interesting too now that we have a few different storylines coming on the live golf guys are now coming back to play in their first event with the pga tour so you kind of see these stories coming out of augusta of uh it should be a really exciting week just given kind of who's there and uh who's playing in this week's event yeah yeah absolutely i think uh it's just a powerhouse full of golfers and it's cool that the live golfers guys are back now yeah. i mean a lot of people aren't too happy with live obviously you know it's funny um it's almost their ratings haven't been good but no. you still have the some of the same golfers here in this big event which is awesome why are they allowed to golf here yeah, so the PGA Tour doesn't actually oversee this event. It's run by the Augusta National Masters or uh, membership group. So they allow, they can choose who they want to play in their event here. It doesn't have to be exclusively PGA Tour guys. Since some of the live guys did qualify, they are allowed to play in this event. They were also allowed to play in the Open last year as well. So you see kind of outside the PGA Tour um, that these live guys can still compete. Um, with the PGA Tour. And I honestly, I love it. I think it's a little budding rivalry for golf. I think it, it only increases the viewership for everyone, especially. Um, so I'm all for it this week. Let them play. And um, I think there's a few guys that can actually do well this week. Yeah, I, I do too. You know, what's interesting to me is how I, I'm wondering how upset like some of the PGA, uh, you know, the heads of the PGA are based upon this or are they even upset it's just a it's an interesting dichotomy where this is one of those events is there other events this year that are going to have some live guys in it yep so they'll be at the open championship the british open they'll be at um they won't be at the pga championship i believe but they will be at the u.s open as well so they'll be around for three or four tournaments this year uh three or two sorry excuse me but um yeah no i'm all for it let them play um and I only think it adds to the game. So I get the PGA Tour is not happy, kind of diluting the talent pool, taking all this guaranteed money away, kind of losing the prestige of the PGA Tour, joining this new tour. Um, but no, I'm all for it. Let them play. All right. Well, now that we have a full field of amazing golfers, 
let's get into like the basics. What's the weather going to be like this weekend in Augusta? I've seen so many things too of the wind, the rain. As of now, the forecast doesn't look great here. We haven't had a Monday finish at the Masters in a long time. I believe it's only happened once or twice before. So that's the PGA Tour's worst nightmare right now is a Monday finish. Uh, we had it a few. There's been a bunch this year. The pace of play has been kind of abysmal on the PGA Tour, and it is an issue. So I think that's the one thing they don't want to avoid is Monday finish. They may move the tee times around. So be on alert. Check your TV uh, schedule because I'm betting we're going to get a few early morning tee times um, for the next few days. All right. Well, there you go. Check the schedule. Now, when it comes to rain, and I looked hard myself. I talked to some people that I know that are pretty heavy golf handicappers and betters. Where could you get weather information for some of these golfers? You know, I found a little bit where, like they said, like Rory was good in the uh, wet. Maybe it's because he's from you know the UK. I don't know where it rains a yeah. lot. But I, I would wonder if you factor that in much to your handicap, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, you definitely look at it. You're looking at the strokes gains, kind of wind factors. And you also have kind of the players, um, like you mentioned before, who've done well in the rain in the past. There are a few websites that do have that information out there. But it isn't publicly available. It's not free. You kind of have to pay for these premium websites that do have this information. But it is out there if you really uh, want to dive too deep in the uh, weather and uh, wind factors. <laughs> I bet. That's cool. Well, So it's out there. That's what we know. Yeah. And uh, Patrick probably has a little bit of access to that. So that's great, man. Well, why don't you tell us how you handicap the Masters different than the average PGA event? Yeah, so, I mean, let's look at the Masters here. We have three guys under 10 to 1. We start off with Rory, Rahm, and Scheffler, the big three, essentially. Scheffler is the defending champion of this event. Uh, Rahm has only won one major, and Rory's looking to complete the Grand Slam here. He's won the three other majors. He'll become the sixth person ever to do it if he's able to capture the green jacket here. It's tough to kind of go with one of those three, given the odds. It's a great field. It's absolutely loaded. One of the best tournaments of the year. So while they are kind of some of the heavy favorites and deservedly so, not taking away anything like that. Rom's already won three times this year. Shuffler's won twice. Rory's only won one, but he has been playing better as of late, as we saw him and Scotty duel it out at the uh, WGC two weeks ago. So those are kind of your big two that you're going to look at. And while they are enticing to grab, I didn't grab any of them this week. I do like Rory the best of those three. If you were going to play one, I would suggest Rory. Um, But no, here you're just looking kind of course history matters more than most tournaments. Course history is huge. And so one of the guys I picked, Max Homa, obviously hasn't done well here in the past. He's missed two of his three cuts here. Last year picked up a T48 finish here. But his game has improved so much over the course of this past year here. I think he's finally able to kind of compete for a major championship here. And even the T48 last year, he wasn't nearly in as good as form. He's already won twice this year. So I love Max Homa this week as well, along with uh, Finau, uh, Xander, and uh, Cantlay. So those are my four outright picks this week. Yeah, here they are right in your article here. And you, yeah. it's interesting because a lot of people say um, the Masters is a very heavy chalk type tournament yet you're you're avoiding that a little bit you're getting away from those bad prices on rom scheffler and rory my man yeah i mean listen they're very tempting this week for sure but you kind of look at kind of the unit allocation of how you're going to play around so if you're going to pick one of those guys you're going to have to put a kind of a single bullet on him essentially he's going to be your only pick outright of the week unless you're going to really dilute your uh profits how much money is tiger woods going to pull in at 75 to 1 
Yeah, I mean, let's look at Tiger too. So he's played once this year. Um, where he finished, he made the cut, finished top uh, forty-five, I believe, or tied for forty-fifth. So he's looked great. Um, he looked better than expected. I'm not going to say great. He looked better than expected at that loan event this year. But I don't know. I'm not putting too much stock into Tiger this year. Here, he did win back in 2019. He has countless victories here, but. I, I just don't think the play. Also, the odds are diluted on him because he's a fan favorite. Yeah. Everyone bets on him. He, sh- he shouldn't be 75 to 1 in this field. Um, so the price you're getting is not a great one unless you grabbed a future on him a while ago. But no, I'm not uh, putting too much stock in the Tiger this week. Yeah, I mean, the guy's just been through so much. He's banged up. I think he can have a couple, you know, he can have one or two good days. I just don't see four days in a row, you know. That's, no. that's Especially the is. talent of the the rest of the field too i mean you look at he's not even kind of in a ballpark with scotty ron and rory at this point so you know it's funny Um, over my like years playing golf i've met golf pros at golf courses all the time and then you have your buddy and that's golfing with you ask him weren't you in the pga you know stuff like that and and the answer is always the same it's uh well you know i can shoot maybe 68 once but i can i do that four days in a row probably not that's really the difference isn't it Especially the tournament conditions, too. Some of these guys play on. Augusta's got some of the fastest greens on the tour. So I think he, putting would be an issue for just your average golfer. Um, and while it's not necessarily a key to victory here, it is important. So um, I'm not putting too much stock in, into the strokes game putting this week. So it's mainly their ball strike and their approach play. Well, you know, let's talk about Matt Fitzpatrick here on our Bet Fred's odd screen here and 45 to one. I mean, wasn't he kind of on fire towards the end of the summer last year? Yeah. I mean, he broke out, he won his first PGA tour at the U uh, S open last year. And luckily we were lucky enough to grab him there at 35 to one. So that was a nice hit, but um, yeah, Fitzpatrick's interesting. He hasn't been great this year. He's been dealing with a neck injury a little bit as well. So he missed the cut at a few events earlier this year um, at the waste management Phoenix open. And he is an elite ball striker. Don't get me wrong. His iron play is phenomenal. But this week, I'm not sure how exactly healthy he is or um, just kind of his uh, history here at Augusta. So I'm off Matt Fitzpatrick this week, even though he is kind of one of my favorite players. All right, cool. Good stuff. Let's look at some of your top 20 here. You got Cameron Young at plus 115 to make a top 20 finish and Min Woo Lee at uh, 2 to 1 plus 200. Uh, as well. So what are the thought processes behind those two? Yeah. So placements are always interesting too, because you look at these guys and you're like, I could see them having success at this course and this event specifically, but um, they're not really guys you think can make that jump to win it outright. And we kind of got a little bit uh, screwed last week. We had Corey Connors top 20 and he did end up winning the event. So it's always something you kind of got to factor in, but um, no, it's just uh, guys that you think can play well, but just aren't, aren't ready for that next step to win the uh, event itself. So guys that you think can definitely move up a little bit and they have some course experience, I'm guessing. Yeah. Cam Young too. I mean, he just lost to Sam Burns in the match play event. I think he has five or six just second places. So he is, he is a guy that can definitely compete with the best of them, but hasn't been able to kind of get over that hump per se and uh, win his first PGA tour event. Good stuff. So let me ask you this. Uh, what if it's Saturday, right? Maybe they yeah. are getting through with the rain and stuff. Do you Are you playing future bets all the way until the end, or are you kind of just letting your stuff ride? No, I, I haven't got too big into the live betting. Um, it, 
maybe once or twice kind of at an event throughout the year where I kind of see some guy who's been close but just struggled in the, uh, with a flat stick on the green. They'll maybe put some uh, future wager on. But um, futures are also tough, too, uh, especially live betting on uh, golf, too. So I haven't dabbled too much into it. This is my final card for the Masters. So all the bets are in. And I'm pretty much going to let it ride from here on out. Awesome stuff. What about match play? You doing any match? Uh, uh, well, obviously matchups. Yeah, matchups yeah. is what I was trying to say. No, no, I I did a little bit of matchups, but uh, no, I uh, maybe next year I'll get more into them. But it's been pretty much just uh, outrights and placement bets. Uh, right. My handicapping strategy. All right, man. Well, good stuff. That's a great little preview of the Masters. And if you guys want to know anything about this course, Patrick Gates has broken down the history here, the weather each day, TV information, comparable courses here. You know, what kind of grass is on here? I mean, everything is just put in wonderfully at theoddsbreakers.com. So great work on this article. So let's pivot into a little hockey then my man i mean we're close the nhl playoffs you just said uh off air was starting on monday you have to be pretty stoked about that yeah so i was uh wrong it's april 17th but yes down the playoff races are definitely two mondays from here um most of the teams have kind of yeah two mondays from now so i have secured their spot but the wild card battle in the east and west is still uh going strong so Looking forward to it. Hopefully my Buffalo Sabres can make the push and uh, end their playoff doubt, but I'm not, I'm not putting too much hope into it. Not a ton of hope into the Sabres, huh? Well, I got quite a few of those. No, young team, but maybe next year. Yeah, they're the, they're sitting here at uh, three hundred to one, so something like that to win. It's it's pretty big here, you know. Well, well, let's just look at the actual odds to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, you got the Bruins at plus mm-hmm. 250, the Avalanche at plus 550, the Rangers at plus 900, the Maple Leafs at plus 900, and the Canes are all the way down to 10 to 1. I found that interesting. Um, and then, uh, you know, kind of goes down from there. Uh, is there anything sticking out to you there? Yeah, I mean, Boston's a heavy favorite. I don't think we've seen kind of this big of a favorite since maybe last year with Colorado. Uh, Colorado obviously went out last year defeating the Tampa Bay Lightning. But the Bruins this year, too. Two games away from tying the NHL record in wins this season. They have 60 right now, so 62 will get them to that tie. 63 will put them over. But it's an interesting playoffs this year, too, because Boston is such a dominant team. They really have no flaws. Their goaltending elite. They have four forwards who can score, and their blue line is absolutely loaded with talent here. One interesting play that I do like uh, going into this uh, place postseason is the Dallas Stars. I think the Dallas Stars are around 15 to 1. Um, last season, they made the playoffs, but were eliminated by the Calgary Flames. Uh, Jake Ottinger, their goalie, kind of really put on a performance, and he was kind of the main reason that they did uh, make it a seven-game series in that. They have a new head coach in Peter DeBoer this season um, after last year. They let their coach go, or he stepped down, and now they have him in. He's been to a few Stanley Cups uh, with a few other teams, and Dallas does have the talent up front and on the blue line as well. So I do like the Dallas Stars um, to maybe make a postseason run. They have a tough matchup in the first round as of now against the uh, Seattle Kraken, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see them in the Western Conference Final. Well, they're twenty to one here on Bet Fred's. So, twenty to one, love so, it. There you go to win it all. What happened to the Lightning now? Down to thirteen to one. 
Yeah, the Lightning are just getting up there in age, but I mean, they are still an elite team. They've made the Stanley Cup two, three, each of the past three seasons. So, and as of now, they're slated to play the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round, which is the same first round matchup they had last year. And again, they're offered a plus money. The Leafs haven't made out of the first round in years, while the Tampa Bay Lightning have made three Stanley Cups. So, that could be a definitely one of my picks in the first round is to continue just back in the Lightning at plus money. Yeah, yeah, just kind of go round by round when it comes down to it. That's not a mm-hmm. bad way to look at it. You know, they didn't do it before, and you get some plus money there. That that sure won't uh, won't hurt. And they probably lost a few players from some of those teams the last two years. I'm guessing. Yep, yep, for sure. Uh, and kind of the other pick that I like is the uh, Los Angeles Kings as well. They made a few deadline moves, acquired uh, Corpusalo from Columbus in net. Their goaltending was kind of their major concern there for a while, but. They address that, and I think they have the roster again to kind of go to another Stanley Cup. Ellie Kings listed at 25 to 1 here. And so that's another nice little long shot for uh, the NHL Stanley Cup 2023. Thanks, Patrick. What a bunch of great information. And I'm guessing people could find your articles uh, at the Odds Breakers on your Twitter feed. And you have a nice little show that you do every single week, don't you? Yeah, so we started doing uh, the podcast live stream, uh, expected that's four, go give that a follow, but NHL gambling podcast, so be sure to check that out as well. All right, well, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on and breaking down the Masters, breaking down a little bit of NHL coming at the end, my man. Really appreciate all your hard work and your great information at the Ozbreakers.com. If you haven't, If you don't follow Patrick, make sure you follow him at Gator Betting. He is one of the top golf handicappers that I know. Thanks a ton, Patrick. Of course. Thanks for having me on. A huge thanks to Patrick Gates from the oddsbreakers.com. Talking some masters, talking some NHL playoffs. If you have any questions for me or Patrick, tweet us at the oddsbreakers. Oddsbreakers, tweet Patrick at Gator Betting. Have a great rest of your week and go get some winners.